Please download from Delancey Healing Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 30 a.m. in the Delancey Healing Church building at the Banks in Simpsons in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. God was calling us for something new, and so, <laughs> very nervously, I gave in my notice at Shiloh to the elders at the beginning of the year with not a clue at that stage what we were doing. No money, no job, no house. But apart from that, we were set. It was fine. All fine. Just a few minor little issues like that. And don't anyone ever tell you that walking the journey of faith is an easy time because there are many waking up at three in the morning thinking, what on earth have we done? How stupid have we been? We've taken the biscuit this time. And yet, all the way through, we'd had a sense of God moving us. Sometimes it was difficult to see. Uh, practical things we were looking for as well. Uh, but eventually, the rest is history. Uh, this work with pace seemed to be something that God put on my heart. And connecting with what had been going on before that, heart for schools, really. Uh, and so, um, I kind of had the idea, th- threw the idea out to a couple of people, said, what do you think? They think this is fantastic. Uh, let's go for it. And remarkably, within about six weeks, I think, all the money was raised three years for my salary as well as increasing everybody else's so I was Mr Popular with base they all got pay rise this is very good um, still issues like job and, uh, and house to sort out but eventually all those things came to pass and so uh, September last year just been in the job over a year um, I'm loving it just fantastic we started someone said to me how would you rate this first year I'd say out of 10 about 12 out of 10 because I knew the opportunities were here, but I didn't realise just how massive those opportunities are and so many opportunities that we're going to be given. So that's by way of my journey into it, really. Uh, And I just want to remind us at the beginning here, I've never seen anything like Guernsey in terms of the uniqueness of opportunity. We have something very, very special here that I've never seen anywhere else. And therefore, we are seeing some amazing things happening. So, back on track now. Sorry, Lisa, she's very patient. She's used to me wittering on. Uh, Pace, just to remind you, well, beginning of the year, last year, we kind of, um, oh, this year, wasn't it? Came up with our kind of vision statement. What, what are we about? Three things, and they all begin with C. Connecting schools and churches. A big part of my job has been meeting with local church leaders, and I've met with most of them on the island, actually, now, to talk about your local schools. How can we help you connect better with those local schools because as far as we see it at Pace we're not here to do the schools work we're involved in schools work but really we're here to be a catalyst to encourage churches to reach out to their local schools and so part of that is meeting with church leaders to talk about that some are already up and doing lots of stuff others it's all new nearly all of them want to do more and so we've been exploring how that happens and that's also met, uh, involved for me meeting lots of heads of schools and heads of RE as well to look at the partnership from both sides so connecting schools and churches communicating Christian beliefs and values and we'll, ex- we'll talk a little bit about that in what ways we do that in a few moments as well but exploring kingdom values together really is what we're doing whether it's in a lunch club whether it's in an RE lesson whether it's in, a, in an assembly looking at what Christians believe about different aspects and different issues, and we'll come back to that as well. Creating space to explore faith. Safe spaces where kids have a chance, and staff too to a certain extent, to think about questions of spirituality and faith. So hopefully you'll see those three kind of strands reflected through the kind of work we're doing. Here's the current team. Uh, As of, that was a 
Actually, it was not like today. It was a bleak day on the front just out here. <laughs> Lisa, it was a bit chilly. Uh, so just to introduce you, Emma Backhouse has just joined the team uh, in October. She's uh, based at Trinity Church. She's the new children's and youth worker there. So Emma, uh, mainly working in senior schools, uh, but also doing some primary as well. Next to her, you know that lady well. Lisa, you can say something you want to, but I'm just, I'm just conscious I'm talking like. I'm Lisa. That's very good. Very good. <laughs> I'm the team leader. <laughs> yeah, she's the team leader. I show deference and respect all the time, as you can tell. Sarah Snell uh, is from Le Compte Church, and she's mainly focused on primary schools. We all kind of mix up a little bit, but Sarah's there. And the big fat old bloke on the right, of course, is me, uh, just joined last year. What do we do? Well, we still do what we've always done in some ways. We've always done lots of assemblies. Um, and I'll talk about that in a moment, what we do. But one of the things that I've been encouraging a little bit, and I think we've moved along from that as well, is recognising assemblies are great. They're a good way to get to know loads of kids in a big group. And therefore, when you go to the shops down the road at the weekend or whatever, the kids are, oh, hello, you're paced, aren't you? So it makes that connection. But in terms of real impact and communicating Christian values and exploring things together, very limited, because you've got a big group for a short time in a big space. Whereas, obviously, we're trying to move into other things as well to explore a bit more how we can help more influence. So assemblies, we're still involved with those. Last year, we did 206 assemblies in the local schools. 160 primary and 46 secondary, uh, covering a, a range of themes. Uh, Lisa, what do we do in the secondary school? Yeah, so in secondary schools, we've um, been doing lots of different topics. This year, we've been doing things like New Year, Fresh Start, looking at the story of Peter and how he denied Jesus, but then he got a second chance. We've been leading stories, leading assemblies on, you know, why are we curious about Jesus? Why are we still talking about him? You know, he died 2,000 years ago. What's his deal? We've been doing anti-bullying assemblies as well. And this week we're going in to talk about um, Advent in a local school as well. So being able to talk to them about preparing for Christmas. Um, so we have a real opportunity there to go in and really uh, lead assemblies on lots of different topics. And actually, in the primary schools, I don't go in that often anymore, but it's really exciting when you go into a primary school because they see Pace come in and they all start doing their little fist pumps. They're like, yeah, it's Pace. And like, you know you're doing something right when you've got like a whole room full of young uh, children going, yes, we want to see you. We're excited about your assemblies. Whether or not they remember them, they know who we are um, and they enjoy um, seeing us. That's great. So assemblies quite a lot, and uh, so far this term we've done 48 assemblies. So same old, we're still doing assemblies. Some of those are topics that the schools have given to us that we prepare material for. Sometimes it's stuff that we have prepared and we, we kind of bring in our ideas as well. Along with assemblies, again, as Pace have always done, lunch clubs, and that's a big kind of slice of time as well. Uh, last year we uh, did 370 kind of lunchtime meetings. So some of those are primary and some of those are secondary, but 370 altogether. So just work that out, how many in a week, and remember the school term lasts for uh, however many weeks it is kind of thing. So that's a lot. Each This term, there are 14 going on each week. Six primary, what are called bolt clubs. They're working with year fours, so they're about seven or eight years old. Uh, and we have them for half an hour. Um, we'll cover every primary school over this year. We'll cover every primary school with their year fours. So in every primary school. Meanwhile... Uh, Lisa's busy with the secondary drop-ins. Uh, what's going on there? 
Yep, so our secondary clubs, we're in every school every week throughout the entire school year. Um, so we're a presence there week in, week out. And it's a real privilege, really, because the kids, you know, they, it's up to them whether they come along. Um, we obviously bribe them with sweets and lemonade. You know, that's how good youth workers do it. Um, and we also play a lot of games and we have a lot of fun and we have a discussion time as well. So this term we've been looking at kind of um, who is God, who is Jesus, what's church all about. And then recently we've been doing some of Jesus's main teachings. So about teaching about compassion and forgiveness and judgment. And um, it's just been really great to connect with the, uh, the students in this way. But the one thing that's amazing um, about lunch clubs is you're really creating space for them to explore faith. You know, it's an opportunity for them to ask questions. And boy, do they like to ask difficult questions, which keep you on your toes. But also the amazing thing about lunch clubs, it's a time where you actually just get to chat with the young people and meet them kind of where they're at. We were in a school last week and a, a a student came in and she was crying and she was sad um, and so one of our volunteers was able to go and comfort her and talk with her and encourage her and kind of we were then able to go and kind of find the right teacher that we needed to talk to about the situation and so actually you know in that sense you're like you know this is a, a, a student that comes every week to our club she's usually really bubbly and happily happy but actually you know on a week when she was having a bad week she still wanted to come along and she still wanted to open up and share with us and it's moments like that that make it all worth it because lunch clubs can be hard work um, but actually it's moments like that when you get to speak truth into a young person's life um, that make the entire thing so worthwhile. And actually, lunch clubs are also the opportunity for local churches to get involved in our lunch clubs as well. So um, because we're on a smaller team, and Phil will get to that in a while, we don't have enough people to run the lunch clubs. So actually, it's only because of people from local churches giving up a lunchtime or being part of their youth, per- youth worker position, we're able to run these lunch clubs. So we have four or five volunteers um, who are helping run these lunch clubs week in, week out. We'll come back to that. But there's that creating space, safe space. Sometimes it's just headspace, isn't it? Kids, busy day. Sometimes there's a bit of a, just a space in the day to talk and to share and to ask those questions as well. RE Lessons, that's particularly what I've come in to help develop uh, and grow uh, with my kind of background as well. Uh, and RE Lessons kind of, well, covers three main strands, really. Um, last year, just by, again by numbers, 183 RE Lessons we taught. 144 primary lessons and 39 secondary lessons. That is a phenomenal amount of RE lessons, and that's more time with kids exploring issues of faith uh, together um, as well. This is what I'm kind of really passionate about, uh, this kind of stuff. Some of it is RE lessons that the schools, they work to a syllabus, and parts of that syllabus invite the children to explore a Christian perspective on baptism, for example. So two weeks ago, I was with the whole of year three at Huget with a team of volunteers teaching about baptism, infant baptism, adult believers' baptism as well, looking at the whole thing. Had them for an hour. Fantastic and and, and interactive stuff and to think about these issues and and, and all sorts of stuff. Um, And so RE Lessons, part of it is responding to their syllabus, what they're required to learn. We come in and help the RE department provide those lessons with a team of people who actually believe this stuff. It's not just theory for us, it's actually, and we're always very careful to say, we're not here to change your beliefs necessarily, but we're here to talk about what Christians believe about this as we explore the issue together. So that's one element of it, is the RE lessons, and this term we've already taught 29 lessons, so we're kind of ticking along there um, as well. As as Elisa mentioned, with lunch clubs, also with RE lessons, we're looking for volunteers to help us with that. It's not like an assembly where we'll ask you to stand in front of 300 children or 500 children to do an assembly. That's scary even for us. 
but this is working with smaller groups to help them explore the topic, a particular activity. It might be a craft activity or something else as well. You might recognise one or two faces in the background there. That was at Melrose with the year year twos looking at Easter. We also did a similar lesson for the year fives. That's 10, 11-year-olds. A bit more depth to that one, a bit more meat as well. Uh, one of my, well, I love the end of last year actually, It's Your Move is a booklet produced by Script Union. It's been around for about 25 years and it's designed to help year sixes, top juniors, make the transition to big school, to secondary school. I don't know if you can remember all those years back when you did that. <laughs> That's probably a long time ago for some of us. But it's scary. You're, you know, year six, you know the school, you've been there, but now you're suddenly the smallest in the school, you don't know your way around, you're going to get lost. It's a scary time. It's a scripture you produce this booklet. Uh, last year, we gave out over 600 booklets to pretty much all the year sixes on this island going off to secondary school. Uh, donated, money donated by local churches as a contact connection with their local schools. And also, along with those booklets, we also offered a transition lesson for an hour with all the year sixes to help them think about changes, challenges and choices. And nine of the schools, it's the first time we've ever done this, First time ever done, nine out of the 14 primary schools said, yes, please, we'd love it. Others were a bit late on their, but they want to book it for next, for this year, this end of this year. 455 children in our year sixes. So there's something at a big stage of life for children, that big change from primary to secondary school, making that connection. And actually, Lisa got involved in that as well to say, well, actually, when you get to secondary school, you're going to meet Lisa and the secondary team. So trying to sort of connect up those dots, ready to go as well. Prayer spaces, this is back to creating safe space to explore spirituality and faith. I love this. We offer this to a school, and for a small school it might take a day. We've got one book for St. Martin's, that's the biggest primary on the island, in January, and that's going to take us three days. And during that time, every pupil in the school will be spending half an hour looking at different aspects of prayer and spirituality. They'll be going around, with, again with volunteers, we look for volunteers to help us with this, but exploring questions of faith. Thanksgiving. What has God done for us? Worry, regret, forgiveness, uniqueness and value of human worth, all those kind of themes that we're exploring. And first time ever in one of the schools last year, they were a bit nervous at first. They said, you know, we're not a faith school. Uh, I said, well, let's not call it prayer spaces. Let's call it uh, quiet spaces. Same, same stuff, just a different title. And they loved it. It's the first time ever they just loved it and already want it for uh, next year again as well in the future. So prayer spaces there. And last year we ran that in four schools. 674 pupils in those four schools went through prayer spaces. Finally, walk through the Bible. This is something that uh, goes on in the UK. There's over 600,000 children have done this in the UK. And it's basically two courses. There's a five-week Old Testament course for five hours. A five-week New Testament course, again, for five hours. Five hours on the Bible, Old Testament, and five hours on the New Testament. One of my dreams when I came to Guernsey, because it had never been done here before, was to see it in every school. It took seven years... But eventually now every primary school has taken this course. All of them are doing the Old Testament one and many of them are doing the New Testament one. Unbelievable. Did you know this is going on in your schools? Five hours on the Bible with 10, 11 year olds, 9, 10, 11 year olds. Last year we ran 23 courses in 11 schools for 814 children. Since we started this in 2008, the first courses on the island were done at Capels and Vale. Since then, we're now in all the primary schools I've been waiting for one school for seven years. I've been waiting and waiting and finally, I won't mention the name, but last January, February, they said they wanted it. But now in every school, fantastic. 140 courses have been run. 
4,812 children in Guernsey have done this. 4,800, nearly 5,000 children in Guernsey. This is just amazing. And the schools want more. And often it's interesting, they invite us in when they've got an inspection time because it looks good. And it is good. But it's great to see that, talking about the Bible. We've got a team of eight presidents. We need more. We need more. This is more specialist training. This is not a volunteer with a little group. This particular training and the UK trainers come over to train us and that's what we've done three times already. We're looking to start another training in the new year. We're looking to bring them over to do, because I've got three or four people already interested. If that's you, come and have a word afterwards. Feedback from the schools. Teachers love it. Kids love it. Thank you for making the Bible come alive for me. Some of those comments are just fantastic. They're the kind of things you do this for. It's just great. We also help in that connecting churches and schools. Often we, uh, we run teaching sessions in the churches. So it's, it's connecting that local church with that local school. You recognise this place, Spurgeon's here. John Osher was a bit nervous because we'd fixed up this lesson on uh, visiting, well, visiting the church for year ones from Melrose. And he thought, I don't know much about year ones. What do you do with year ones? He said, don't worry, John, I'm with you. We've got a team working on this. You'll be fine. And I kind of interviewed him. And they came in and they'd already done a visit to St. Stephen's Church. So the first thing they came in, where's the font? Interesting, already they're starting to notice. We took them down. We didn't fill it. We thought health and safety these days, we'd lose a few. They might be floating around or falling. We didn't want any of that stuff. But it's a great time. We had them for an hour and a half in the church. So church visits is part of that. But also, this is another aspect of church visits, is obviously making you and other churches and church families on the island aware of what Pace is doing. Because no money comes from anywhere apart from local Christian giving and local churches. And I know you're very generous here. And so we often run sessions like this. Sometimes we, we run kind of prayer spaces within the church service as well. That was at my old church of St. Sampson's. You might recognise there uh, as well. Back to those three values. Connecting schools and churches. You see, we're trying to draw those together more tightly. There, there are some that are already very healthy and very good. There are others that are doing little but would love to do more. And that's part of the work, is to try and deepen that connection. Communicating beliefs and values. We've talked about that and the many ways that we do that as well. Uh, creating space to explore faith. What can I do? What could you do? What can we do? Pray for us. Please do pray. There's a weekly blog, isn't there? On the site, on our website, there's the website down the bottom there. We put a weekly blog to let you know what's going on each week to try and keep it up to date so that people know what to pray for that coming week. Please do pray for us. One particular thing for prayer, uh, see if you can spot the difference. That was taken January last year, wasn't it? Okay. Oh, sorry. That was April. We've lost one. She's had a baby. I'll let her off, I suppose. But, you know, where's commitment in this? What's going on here? Anyway, so Chloe left the team. So we were down to four. Uh, and then, of course, we lost Lee and replaced her with Emma. Lee's gone on to greater things. He's now teaching Elizabeth College. And so that's why Lisa's taken on the mantle of uh, team leader now. And Emma's joined us. We'd love another one. We'd love, as well as volunteers, to pray for. We'd love to have uh, another member of the team. Again, do pray for us in that one too. Back to the volunteers, though. Get involved. We've talked about some of the ways you can do that. Some of it is, is very straightforward, very easy. Um, I remember we were in a prayer spaces one time. My daughter came along to help, and she just shadowed me for the first three sessions. After that, she was an expert. It's very easy and very quick. Working with someone, we won't just throw you in the deep end. We'll help you uh, work with this gently. So maybe that's something you could do. And it's not always in the schools. We've got quite a team, I think, here, haven't we, Lisa, who are preparing materials. Who shall... Yeah. 
Yeah, we do indeed. So we have people who maybe find going into schools terrifying, um, but um, actually, you know, to put on a prayer space for 500 students takes a lot of prep. And so we have amazing people behind the scenes who just cut things out for us or make Christmas trees when I ask them to, or I'm looking at my mother-in-law here because she is wonderful and helps us um, do a lot of things behind the scenes. So actually volunteering with us, yes, you can go into schools and that's amazing. Um, but actually, we need people behind the scenes. We need people praying for us because actually, you know, we're entering into something quite scary when we go into schools. You know, we're up against lots of difficult questions. We're up against, you know, presenting the Bible well. Um, but yeah, we need those people as well who are willing to help us out behind the scenes in preparing the material so that we can go in and do the best job that we can do. It was nice last week in Lemuria, actually, because we went in and we saw still on the back wall were the corn cobs that the volunteers had cut out for them to respond to how they were going to, what they were going to do as a response to that assembly as well, so they're still there too. And give financially, I mentioned that briefly earlier, we don't get any funding from the States or anywhere else, probably quite rightly actually, but we are supported by Christians on this island, by churches and by individuals, and, and I know you've been very generous here and we're very grateful for that as well, but always looking for more on that front. I think that's it. Uh, thank you for that and um, Phil is going to come and share with us now but I think it would be a really good opportunity for us just to pray now for the work of PACE um, and for the team who like they say have got you know um, a battle on sometimes when, when you were going and facing all the different things that you need to face and you know please do think about what they've shared if you can volunteer in any way or you can you can pray for the work okay it's really really important so shall we pray together father god i just thank you so much for pace and for the team that go week in week out to to the schools lord and we just thank you for um for them and for their commitment to you and that they're just giving the giving out the word to young people to our children and that's such a blessing lord and we just pray a protection over the team lord we pray a real anointing over them and lord Lord, that you would just continue to strengthen them and be their all in all and that you would just fill them with creativity and ideas and everything that they need um, just to be able to just give of their best in our schools. And Lord, we pray for our young people and children that as, as Pace go in and if they're doing an assembly or a lunch club, whatever it is, an RE lesson, Lord, I pray that the truth of your word would come alive in their lives and Lord, that they would be able to see the beauty of who you are in the, in, the, in the team members, Lord, that their lives would just reflect who you are and that those relationships that the team have with the children and young people would just be really strong and really good. And uh, from this work, Lord, we want to see lives changed and transformed. We want to see young people and children know you and find you for themselves and find salvation. So, Father God, we just pray a real blessing uh, upon the work that PACE are doing. And do pray, God, that you would bring more volunteers and that you would find an, another person to join the team, that it would be the right person um, with the right skills just to add to the work that they're doing already. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Phil. How are we doing for time? Might notice my wife disappears. She knows how long I am. No, 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 no. That's not true. Uh, I don't know if you know the story about the little girl who goes to church for the first time, and she's fascinated by all the stuff going on in the service. And um, and she's with her dad. And so uh, one point of the service, the, the collection, the offering bags come round, and she said, "Dad, Dad, what does that mean?" 
And her father says, well, we're collecting money now. We're going to use it for, for the work in this community and further afield. And then a little bit later, people uh, kind of fall to their knees. And she said, Dad, what, what's happening now? And said, well, we're praying. We're talking to God and we're listening to what he might want to say to us. And then the, the pastor gets up into the uh, kind of lectern or whatever and takes his watch off, puts it on the side. She said, Dad, Dad, what does that mean? And her father said, absolutely nothing. I'll try. I'll try and keep time. Let's pray. Father, as we come to your word, I pray that you would speak to us now. Father, reveal more of your heart to us, and that we may respond with our own hearts to you. Come close to God, and he will come close to you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I want to read to you from Luke chapter 5. Uh, verses 1 to 11. It's a very familiar passage. I'm sure you know it well. And then I'll share a few thoughts on it afterwards. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid, from now on you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Just try and picture that scene, if you can. Maybe you're one of those fishermen who's been out on uh, Lake Galilee and you've had a bad night. I wonder how you're feeling. I wonder what emotions are uh, passing around your brain. Maybe frustration, I'm sure. Tiredness. Maybe anxiety or fear. This is not just a hobby. This is your livelihood. Maybe anger. All all kinds of things, I'm sure. A whole swirl of emotions. And then, there's a travelling preacher turns up. And he wants to borrow one of the boats uh, to speak to the crowd. And so he does his stuff. And then he says, put out in the boats again. And if that was me as a fisherman, I think there'd be something inside me saying, "What what does he know about fishing? He's a carpenter, he's a speaker. It's a bit like, you know, some city banker coming and telling our kind of parents, grandparents about growing or fishing. What on earth do they know about it? But there's something about Jesus that makes Peter agree. Because you say so, Peter says, I will do it. Because you say so. Was it his reputation? Was it something in the speaking that Simon Peter had overheard? But there was something, there was something about Jesus that made Simon Peter say, okay, I will do this. And out they go. 
And the result is history. I've just been singing about miracles. It was a miracle. So much fish that they're overwhelmed. So much fish that the nets are breaking. So much fish that they call the other boat to help them. So much fish that both boats begin to sink. It's amazing. It's incredible. It is a miracle. Unbelievable. But what interests me, and what I want to just think about briefly as we, as we continue this morning, is Simon Peter's reaction. Because if that was me, and my boat, and Jesus has been in my boat, and we've just done all this stuff, I'd be going, wow, this is incredible. Me and Jesus, best friends. I'd be walking 10 feet tall. I'd be so proud. It was my boat. We did it together. Walking up the beach afterwards, I'd have been full of it. Simon Peter, very different. Verse 8. Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Simon Peter is trying to push Jesus away. He tries to make Jesus go. He's too close. And, and Peter, Simon Peter feels intimidated, feels threatened by this. I mentioned in my kind of story, I spent quite a bit of time working in Kenya. And I, <laughs> I discovered very quickly when I got to Africa that cultures are very different. And one particular aspect of African culture that shocked me was the whole personal space stuff. Because, you know, we kind of Guernsey Islanders or kind of British people, we don't, we, we have our, we like our personal space. We like that kind of safe space. And when people get a bit too close, we get a bit threatened by that. Um, that doesn't work like that in Africa. I remember my first morning in Nairobi, I was sitting on a bus, I'd bought a newspaper, and I minded my own business, sitting on my seat, with the, and there's suddenly 15 people kind of looking over my shoulder, trying to read this paper, and I'm going, whoa, what's going on here? It's really intimidating, it's really scary. Uh, interesting, in, in Africa, they, they have this system of public transport called matatus, and um, they're like, it's like a pickup truck, if you can imagine, with a metal box on the back with a door, and there's a bench down each side facing across each other, there's a bar down the middle so you can hold on to that as well. They're supposed to take between 17 and 20 people. So you have three in the front, seven, seven, and then a few standing up as well. I was once in one of those matatus with 34 people. It was a squeeze. In fact, I was hanging outside. There were some people on the roof as well. 34 people. One of my friends was in one of these matatus one time, and right in the middle of this journey, completely squeezed in around bodies he suddenly gets this terrible itch on his knee and so he kind of reaches his arm around to scratch his, to, to relieve this itch and nothing's happening and then he yes, 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 yes nothing's happening because he looks around and realises he's not, he's not scratching his own knee he's scratching the knee of the old man sitting next to him who's got a very funny look on his face we feel threatened when people get too close that's true physically can also be true emotionally. How are you? I'm fine. Really? Now sometimes we don't want to tell all the whole story for everybody, but sometimes there are moments when we should be sharing something of what's really going on, and we shy away for all sorts of reasons. It happens physically, it happens emotionally. Sometimes it's like that with God as well. God gets too close, and we want to keep him at a distance because we feel uncomfortable, we feel threatened. Why? I've put down three things that struck me, three reasons why we try and keep God at a distance. First of all, pride. It's my life, and I don't want God interfering with it. 
I Did It My Way may have been sung by Frank Sinatra, but it was composed in the Garden of Eden long before by Adam and Eve. I did it my way. It's my life. I'm in charge. Keep out. I don't want God telling me what to do. It's about pride. I'm in charge here. (laughs) Another kind of Kenyan story. I used to teach in a secondary school in Kenya. And um, always in the morning at 10.30 was tea time. Well, when I say tea, it was chai time, which means milk, water, sugar and tea leaves all boiled up together. Okay, interesting drink. One or two shaking their heads, I can see. Uh, And the guy would come around with his big kettle and he'd go around the whole staff room and he'd be pouring these kind of full mugs, mug full of tea. Except when he came to me, I got half. (laughs) And he had a big smile on his face when he did it. I said, what's going on here then? This is racism. Why have I only got half half a cup of tea? And he smiled and he said to me, looked me straight in the face and said, you know, you white people have got big noses. So if I filled it to the top, you might drown. (laughs) And everyone laughed. It it was very funny, actually. Actually, I was really amazed. I hadn't realised before. I looked in the mirror and I thought, he's right, we have, haven't we, actually? Sometimes, we're so full of ourselves, there's no room for God. Sometimes we're so full of ourselves, there's no room for God. Sometimes we push God away because of our pride. But secondly, sometimes we push God away out of fear. We're afraid that if we let God take over, we won't like the consequences. And in one way, (laughs) we're right. He will challenge us about the stuff we're about and the stuff we're doing and our priorities. He might ask us to do things that feel well outside our comfort zone, that are scary. And maybe because of all that stuff together, out of fear, we try and push God away. Maybe there's an element of that with Simon Peter. He's just seen some scary stuff going on. And now he's wondering, what's he going to ask me to do with this? Note Jesus' words in verse 10. Don't be afraid, he says to Simon Peter. He recognises fear in Simon Peter. Sometimes we push God away because of our pride, because we're too proud. Sometimes because we're afraid. But the third reason, and probably the most common reason, is shame. Often we're embarrassed, ashamed of who we are, maybe ashamed of what we've done. Uh, And this seems to be at the heart of Simon Peter's response, because he, again in verse 8, he says, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Simon Peter is ashamed. Jesus' presence makes him feel uncomfortable, makes him feel guilty. Maybe there are echoes here of the story of Adam and Eve. What do they do when they commit sin? They hide from God. They try to hide from God anyway. They don't want God anywhere near. They try to hide away. Maybe there are echoes here in the response of Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah chapter 6. He has a vision of the glory of God in the temple. And what does he say? Woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I've seen the glory of the Lord. There's something about the purity of God that makes us more aware of our own uncleanness shame and guilt actually it's interesting the parallels between Isaiah here and Simon Peter because for Isaiah that vision of God's glory and his reaction to it, his response woe is me is immediately followed by God's call who will go for me whom shall I send and here we are with Simon Peter immediately after that I'm a sinful man 
Jesus calls him, don't be afraid, from now on you will fish for people. Jesus knows exactly what Simon Peter is like and yet he still calls him. Remarkable. Simon Peter, God, Jesus sees his heart. Not the outward appearance, but the heart. Back to that thought from earlier in the service. And so it is with you and me. God draws close to us And often our tendency is to try to push him away. Whether it's pride, whether it's fear, or whether it's shame. But he knows exactly what we're like. Of course he does. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And knowing that, he still draws close. And he longs for us to welcome him. To allow him into our lives. To allow him into our hearts. Because that's the heart of this Christian faith. That's the most important thing. It's this relationship with God through Jesus. The God who draws close to us and longs for our welcome, not to push him away, but to say, come Lord Jesus. You know, we're just approaching that season of Advent. One more week and things start. The season when we think about God coming close We look back, that's one aspect of Advent, it's looking back to Jesus' first coming, born as a baby, in weakness, at Christmas, we remember. But Advent is also an invitation to look ahead. Because this Jesus promised that he will return, not as a baby in a stable, but as a king who will rule the whole earth. We look ahead to Jesus' return, and he asks us to be ready walking closely with him as our saviour and friend. I just want to finish with a prayer. Do bow your heads as I pray. James writes, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Father, thank you for the story of Peter. Thank you that in his life he often reflects what we're like too. Often our tendency is to push you away and yet you long to draw close to each one of us. Father, help us to be open with you. Help us to look at those things in our own lives that would be barriers to you. And help us by the power of your spirit to to deal with that stuff. Jesus says, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Phil. I'm going to invite the worship group to come up. We're just going to sing a final song. And I think that the message today, just to think about that whilst we just sing this final song. And um, think about the idea, you know, that God does want us to come close. And it might be one of those things that Phil has mentioned today that is in our hearts and our lives that stops us perhaps from fully reaching out to God. But it doesn't need to be there. So let's stand and sing. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delance Healing Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. 